Welcome to this short service to commemorate All Souls Day. As we pray for those who we love but see no longer. And pray for ourselves too as we mourn and miss them. Let us pray. God, our refuge and strength, close at hand in our distress, meet us in times of sorrow and lift our eyes to the peace and light of your constant care. Help us so to hear your word of grace that our fear will be dispelled by your love, our loneliness eased by your presence and our hope renewed by your promises in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And some verses from Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me out and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You mark out my journeys and my resting place and are acquainted with all my ways. Where can I go then from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I climb up to heaven, you are there. If I make the grave my bed, you are there also. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, your right hand hold me fast. For you yourself created my inmost parts, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I thank you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvellous are your works, my soul knows well. How deep are your counsels to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I count them, they are more in number than the sand, and at the end I am still in your presence. O Lord, you have searched me out and known me. And now a reading from the book of Genesis, it's chapter 15, beginning at the first verse. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no offspring, and so a slave born in my house is to be my heir. But the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own issue shall be your heir. He brought him outside and said, Look towards heaven and count the stars, if you're able to count them. Then he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. The poet Philip Larkin wrote this poem called An Arundel Tomb, inspired by a tomb he saw in Chichester Cathedral of the 13th Earl of Arundel and his second wife, Eleanor. Side by side, their faces blurred, the Earl and Countess lie in stone, their proper habits vaguely shown as jointed armour, stiffened pleat, and that faint hint of the absurd, 
the little dogs under their feet. Such plainness of the pre-Baroque hardly involves the eye until it meets his left-hand gauntlet, still clasped empty in the other, and one sees with a sharp, tender shock his hand withdrawn, holding her hand. They would not think to lie so long. Such faithfulness in effigy was just a detail friends would see. A sculptor's sweet commissioned grace, thrown off in helping to prolong the Latin names around the base. They would not guess how early in their supine stationary voyage the air would change to soundless damage, turn the old tenantry away, how soon succeeding eyes begin to look, not read. Rigidly they persisted, linked through lengths and breadths of time. Snow fell, undated. Light each summer thronged the glass. A bright litter of bird calls strewed the same bone-riddled ground. And up the paths the endless, altered people came, washing at their identity. Now helpless in the hollow of an unarmorial age, a trough of smoke in slow, suspended skeins above their scrap of history, only an attitude remains. Time has transfigured them into untruth. The stone fidelity they hardly meant has come to be their final blazon, and to prove our almost instinct, almost true. What will survive of us is love. In the name of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. There are many things you have to deal with when someone you love dies. Often there are complex emotions of grief and loss, maybe of regret or anger or loneliness too. But alongside those things, there's often the more practical issue of what to do with all their belongings. As they say, you can't take it with you. But that means in practice that someone else has to sort them out. Philip and I have just spent some of this last week in my late mother's flat in Exeter. She died back in May and we've been doing just that. That meant, among other things, manhandling her electric piano into a lift, down four floors and into the back of our car. It was touch and go, but it just fitted, and it's now installed in the church hall to accompany choir practice. I think she'd have been pleased as a loyal choir member in her own church, but we're not looking for a new career as piano movers. Whether it's pianos or books or clothes or all those boxes full of blurry black and white photos of long dead relatives you can't quite identify, it can be a real conundrum to know what to do with the stuff of other people's lives if it falls to us to deal with them. It might make us wonder what will happen when our time comes too. We can't take it with us either, but what will we be leaving behind? What will stand as a memorial, wanted or unwanted, to our lives? And who will remember us because of those things? What will our legacy be? In the Bible reading we heard earlier, Abraham, later renamed by God, God Abraham, is worrying about what will happen to his belongings when he dies. He and his wife Sarah have no children. 
God had called him to leave his family home and travel to a new country, saying that he'd make a great nation of him. But the years have passed and not even one child has been born to them, so how can that happen? In a culture where written records of people's lives were very rare, your, your memory often only lived on through your descendants. So if you didn't have any, you knew you'd soon be forgotten. And it would be as if you'd never lived. People then, just as now, often found that difficult to handle. But God tells Abraham to look up into the night sky. Count the stars if you can, he tells him. In the dark desert skies of the ancient Middle East, that would have been very, very obviously impossible. Well, that's how many descendants you'll have, says God. They will be uncountable too. Abraham was worried he'd have slipped into and out of the world unnoticed. But it wouldn't be so, said God. His and Sarah's life would turn out to matter after all. And that's how it was. In their case, they did eventually have a son, and from him the whole nation of Israel came into being. But I don't think we have to have physical descendants, children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, to find comfort in this story. Those stars in the sky, it seems to me, don't need to represent the flesh and blood that shares our DNA. Our legacy to the world can come in many forms. We all change the world simply by being in it. Those stars could just as much re represent the work we do, the friendships we build, our acts of neighbourliness, anything which makes the world a brighter place. People may or may not recognise that legacy as ours, but they'll benefit from the light we share with the world. Of course, there may be darker and more problematic legacies we leave too. No life is perfect. But we're called to make a difference. And each of us does make a difference, whether we know it or not. Philip Larkin's poem, inspired by the medieval tomb in Chichester Cathedral of the 13th Earl of Arundel and his second wife Eleanor, underlines that thought. If people know this poem, it's often only for its last line. What will survive of us is love. And that can give the rather misleading impression that this is a romantic poem. But Philip Larkin was a notably unromantic person. He had a reputation for being a bit of a curmudgeon. He was the librarian at Hull University when I was a student there in the late 70s. And though I only ever really saw him in the distance and had his signature on my overdue library book reminders, that was the impression he gave. He wasn't exactly a laugh a, a minute. In fact, though, the point he's making in this poem is not a romantic one. We don't really know how this couple felt about each other, he says. Their faces are blurred and their identities washed by the endless stream of people who've come and gone around them. But the little gesture they have left us, her hand held in his, stirs up in us the feeling that love matters and is worth celebrating in our own lives whenever we're lucky enough to find it. 
their clasped hands may just reflect the wishful thinking of their family who commissioned the memorial, or of the sculptor who made it. They may just reflect a convention of their age. But because they lived and died, they left us this memorial. And so we are prompted to think about ourselves and each other. And that's not a bad legacy, whether it was the one they intended or not. The stone fidelity they hardly meant has come to be, says Larkin. And it might be an almost instinct, almost true. But perhaps, just perhaps, he's saying, love might matter more than we think and have something of eternity about it. And if that's true, well, people might matter more than we think too. And we might matter more than we think, however obscure we may seem to be, how little we might feel we've achieved in life. The psalm we heard earlier affirms that even more strongly. We're the children, it says, of a God who created us and knows us, who knitted us together in our mother's womb, who treasures every moment of our lives. Whether we're the ancestors of a whole nation, like Abraham and Sarah, whether our names are etched in stone in a monument that lasts 700 years, like the Earl of Arundel and his wife, we live forever in the heart of the God who made us and loves us. He doesn't forget us. He can't forget us. And he calls us, just like Abraham, to look up into the night sky and count the stars if we can, and know that the gifts he longs to give the world, through us and every human being, are as beautiful and as important and as numerous as they are. Amen. And so we pray, holding before God those whom we love but see no longer, praying for them and for ourselves. In our sorrows, give us your peace. In our regrets, give us your forgiveness. In our loneliness, give us your comfort. In life and in death, be with us and those for whom we pray this night. Grant to us, Lord God, to trust you not for ourselves alone, but for those also whom we love and who are hidden from us by the shadow of death, that as we believe your power to have raised our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, so may we trust your love to give eternal life to all your children. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Hear us, O merciful Father, as we remember in love those whom we have placed in your hands. Acknowledge, we pray, the sheep of your own fold, lambs of your own flock, sinners of your own redeeming. Enfold them in the arms of your mercy, in the blessed rest of everlasting peace, and in the glorious company of the saints in light. Amen. And now may God give you his comfort and his peace, his light and his joy, in this world and the next, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, be with you now and forever. 
Amen.